Well, good morning. I think we are on week eight of our journey through the book of Romans. And um, I tell you, Romans is packed full, not only uh, of the gospel, but it's packed full of just instructions to help form our faith. And this, uh, in this crazy time, you're going to have even more people uh, question your faith, challenge your faith, and you've got to know. You've got to know what you believe in. You've got to be able to explain it. Because let me tell you something. If you don't know your faith, you're not going to be able to defend your faith. And if you can't defend your faith, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be ashamed you're going to be ashamed of your faith. You're going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you, you, you don't really know it. And that's why we're walking through this in, in, uh, in, in Romans in several weeks. And we, we have um, gone through lots of chapters. Uh, obviously, we're going to be in Romans chapter 10 and 11. But I encourage you to go to our website, lakepointonline.com, and, um, and watch or listen uh, to some of those, uh, those sermons. You can actually uh, also listen to a podcast, several podcasts, whatever one you subscribe to. I think we're on all of them. And so it's an opportunity for you to sort of glue this all together. Basically, it's kind of uh, divided into certain sections. We start off with the problem. The problem is sin. There's sin in the world. Uh, and we, I think we've gotten a good picture of that with, every, with all this craziness that's been going on. And I think we're still in a little bit of crazy. But um, there's lots of sin in the world. But who are we to judge? Because guess what? You look back in the mirror, and, and we have sin in our own lives, which is still the problem. We can't say, hey, look at that problem when we are not looking at it in ourselves. And sometimes we judge, and God's like, uh, I'll take care of that. Uh, let's let's uh, look at you. And so the problem is not only in the world, but it's also with us with sin. But then there's a provision. The next section of, uh, of Romans is all about the provision. God made a way. The way is Jesus Christ uh, to God the Father. And so that provision through his son and his suffering on the cross and him taking away our sin and uh, not only dying, but rising from the dead and he sits on his glorious throne and he made a way for us and that is the provision. And that's, that's the essence of the gospel. But then also as we, the next section is about the power. When we accept Jesus Christ as savior and we realize that it's not about uh, what we try to do ourselves, but it's about the freedom that we have in Christ uh, to not follow a bunch of rules and regulations. Rather than uh, obeying rules, we obey or we lean into a relationship with Jesus. And that relationship is what helps us uh, to walk in power. There's, there's power in freedom. There's power in freedom. We were able to have a free and fair election this past week. And so uh, there's power in that, right? There's power in freedom uh, when we're able to, uh, to uh, have, uh, have those kinds of things. Also, there's power in the spirit. When we walk in the spirit of, G of, of, uh, of the Trinity, you got the uh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit comes in our, into our life, and we're able to walk in power. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And so we have that power. And then we got into, and, and Jim, our uh, discipleship pastor, uh, Jim Houston, uh, started chapter nine last week, and it's about the next section, which, which is our predicament. Our predicament. And um, the predicament 
uh, really goes in from chapter 9 through 11. And so we're kind of in this uh, section here uh, for um, the, uh, the predicaments that, that we're in. And we're, we'll be talking about this. But Jim really zoned in last week on God's sovereign choice. Let me tell you something. God's going to do what he wants to do. No matter, even what's going on right now in, in, in this election, okay? Some say election's over, some say not so, okay? Whatever it is, God's in control. He knows what he's doing. And God has, God has a, a sovereign church. God, God has a vote. <laughs> he does. Just like you and I, we vote based upon what we perceive is foreknowledge of what a certain candidate says he or she is going to do, okay? So we hear these candidates, we have been hearing these candidates, and we, you know, you may watch them on TV, or you may stand in line for hours and hours to see somebody, but whatever it is, you are listening to these candidates, and they're telling you, for knowledge, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to do A, B, and C. And so these, uh, we vote based upon some sort of foreknowledge. I mean, you know, we, we can't really totally trust politicians, you know, but for the most part, we, we, we vote based on that foreknowledge. It's, that's, that's God's election. That right there is how God does the same thing. They even call it election. It, the elect God has a vote. It's, it's, it's a big ticket, ticketing booth, all right, and a, and, and, and a big uh, Sharpie. <clears throat> Actually, probably shouldn't use the word Sharpie. Um, but it's, it's in, uh, he has an opportunity to elect or to vote based upon foreknowledge, not of what somebody, some sin person, sinful person is going to promise, but he actually knows what is going to happen. And so because of that, he's able to think of a chess game. He's able to play a little bit of chess and be able to say, okay, my will is to do this, so-and-so. Well, I see for knowledge of what people are going to do. I know who will never decide to choose to follow me. I know who will never choose to believe in my son, what he did for them, give their life for them. I know who that is, who those people are. But I also know who will, and that's their free choice. That is their free choice. But because God knows, guess what? He could take this information, come back to where we are, and make the, the, the pieces all work together for his will and for his good and for his glory, period. That's it. And so, it, I mean, uh, Paul talks about it, uh, Jim talked about it last week, and, and, and when Paul mentioned this about Pharaoh, Pharaoh is a great example. God knew that Pharaoh, leader of Egypt, when the Israelites were enslaved, God knew that Pharaoh would never turn his heart toward God and believe God. He knew that Pharaoh would never say, gosh, Moses, you're right, you're right. You know, I've been, I've been doing everything wrong. I've been living in sin. I need, to, I need to follow your God. God knew that wasn't gonna happen. So guess what? What did God do? Bible says this, he hardened his heart. You may say, that's mean, mean God. No, 
God knew that Pharaoh was never going to choose him, and so he hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Why? In order to make things happen to where the Israelites were, were told to leave. Like, get out of my face. I'm tired of all these plagues and everything. And just to show his glory. I think God's like, you know, I think it'd be cool to see a bunch of frogs, billions of frogs. Come here. I, don't, I don't think I've ever done that. Yeah, harden his heart, okay? Let's go. Or, or you know, locusts. I think that'd be kind of cool. Let me just see what locusts would, would do in all these crops. I've never really seen that before, okay? Oh, it works, you know? And so he hardened the heart of Pharaoh so that he can show his glory and his power and to do his will and accomplish his will and his great purpose. Guess what? The same God who was then is the same God today. He never changes. Same yesterday, today, forever. God, the Bible makes that very clear. And so because he's the same yesterday, today, forever, then guess what? He can also do that now. Do you think that God could have hardened the hearts of people who call themselves Christians to vote for a certain person? Or what would I say, vote against a certain person? Absolutely. Absolutely. He could have done that. Okay? And, um, and we, we could be, um, we don't know exactly what's, what's, you know, the outcome and everything's gonna be. Of course, you know, there's, I mean, we had a big celebration, you know, last night. A lot of Americans uh, did that. I mean, half the country, basically, were celebrating, and, and that's awesome. And if that, if that ends up being exactly what's gonna happen and, and who, who the, uh, uh, the president and vice president's gonna be, then... Then, uh, then that's what needs to happen, you know? And we need to pray and, you know, pray for them and support them, and absolutely. But, um, but just know this, whoever gets in that office and who is there right now, it's because God has ordained that based upon his foreknowledge. And that's basically what... Um, what a lot of chapter eight and chapter nine and stuff uh, talks about. And so as we move on into chapter 10, we're gonna look at verses one through four. Chapter 10, verses one through four, okay? You ready? Say ready. All right, good. One through four. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites, so Paul is talking to the Israelites here, or about the Israelites, is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is a culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Now what what Paul is doing, Paul brings in the history of the Israelites uh, when they were instructed by Moses before they entered into the promised land. If you, if you wanna just keep your finger right there in Romans 10 and jump over to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy 30 is, is about, um, it's one of the, la the last sections of, of Moses uh, giving instructions uh, from God 
to the Israelites before they finally enter the promised land. I'm talking like the second time, the, the successful time. Not the first time we're like, oh my gosh, giants, ah. And then they go around you know, the, the, the desert for 40 years. The second time is a one um, that is mentioned here in Deuteronomy chapter 30. So in Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 through 16, it, um, uh, we see some instructions from God through Moses. And it says this, now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult. So he's kind of giving them some reminders of, of renewing of the covenant because they, they spent a whole generation in the, in the desert, okay? Uh, for you, uh, not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven, so you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven and to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near, your, uh, near, near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. So it's not about these, these rules and regulations. You, you just gotta, we gotta get up and we gotta, do these, uh, uh, we gotta do these rules and these regulations. We gotta live by this and everything. No, God's saying it, it's so much deeper than that. It's something that you're gonna want to do and you're gonna be guided to do. Of course, ultimately, he's talking about um, where, where uh, his law is written in our hearts through what? The Holy Spirit, okay? And so um, verse 15, so I set before you today life and prosperity. So he's given them some, some options here. I set before you, here's your choice. This is just confirmation, we have choice. I set before you life and prosperity or death and destruction. I think we like plan A. We don't like death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So Paul brings that in. He, he's, he's talking a little bit about that in, in, in the first uh, few verses of Romans chapter 10, and he's kind of looking back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, okay? God gave the Israelites a choice to live righteousness or death by disobedience, but history shows us they did not choose a life of righteousness. So then Paul goes into, into talking about this, um, this righteousness by either law versus by faith. So we can have a life of righteousness by law or by faith. So the Jews are energetic regarding God. Okay, they are, they are zealous, is what the Bible says. We just read that in Romans 10. They are zealous towards God. They want to follow these certain rules. Man, they, they are, they're really good at this, okay? Just give me something I have to do, and I'll just do it. I don't care, really care about a relationship. Just give me something I can do. But they don't seem to realize that salvation is God's business, not theirs, Salvation is not what you and I have to do. It's not uh, our business, okay? 
God is the one that brings salvation to us based upon how we long to be with him in a loving relationship. Not rules, but a relationship. Any system based on performance is excluded. So this righteousness by the law versus righteousness by faith is defined by Moses. We see this in chapter five, I'm back in Romans 10, okay, uh, verse five. Chapter 10, verse five. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. So basically, Paul's saying, look, that was righteousness by the law. The person who does these things will, will have a life of righteousness, okay? Live by them. But Paul is saying, as defined by Paul, we see this in verses six through 10. In verses six through 10, he says, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Okay, remember that from Deuteronomy we just read. Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep, uh, the sea and the oceans? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That right there, those few verses, right there at nine and 10, those, that's part of the Roman road. That's, that's very popular verses. You have probably have heard those before. If not, I, I need to introduce you to Jesus. I mean, that, I mean, if you just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you will be saved. It's not about uh, all of these things. If you give your tithes, if you go to church, if you go to small group, you know, if you do certain things and if you throw things away and you, and you focus on what, what you are doing and, and your acts and your habits and, and you're focusing on that, you will keep hitting a brick wall all day long. Paul's saying, look, believe in your heart. If you believe in the heart that Jesus came, that God raised him from the dead, he died for you, and confess with your mouth. That's why we do baptism. That's one of the reasons why we do baptism. We, we, I ask everyone who's baptized, have you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Yes. We confess with our mouth to other people that Christ lives within us. But Paul is saying, it's not about doing all these other things. It's about believing and confessing. That's it. That's it. Now, there, there's a, a, a life of transformation and repentance and as we become like Christ. But guess what? Those aren't rules or regulations either. Because if we really, really love Jesus, we want to do those things. We want to do those things. We want to stop listening uh, to a music that has profanity. We want to stop uh, looking at things on the internet or watching movies we shouldn't be watching. We want to change our friends because they're bringing us down. Why? Because Jesus is there with us. And it's like, you know, I have God in my heart. I have Jesus in my heart, the Holy Spirit. And, and I feel like He's not pleased with this. And so if I really love him, then I'm going to do some of the things that will please him and honor him. And so Paul, 
Paul is saying, look, it's not a righteousness by the law. It's righteousness by the faith, faith in Jesus. That's good. I mean, that's a gospel. That's a gospel by trusting God to shape the right living in our life. We got to trust in the Lord to do the work. We don't need to do that ourselves. Trust in him. God's work is doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That, that's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling to God, trusting in him to do it for you. That is salvation. People try to make it too difficult. People make it too difficult. That is salvation. It is. Like when I was dating Suzanne, we dated for like five years, okay? I mean, she did not come to me and say, all right, we've been on a few dates, so I've made a list. There's like 50, and this is volume one. You'll get volume two in a couple of months, but here are 50 things that you need to change before you can date me anymore. (laughs) She did not do that. She fell in love with me. I know, it's hard to believe. She fell in love with me. I fell in love with her. And guess what? I did a little bit of changing. She did a little bit of changing. And we just changed together. Right? Why? Because we loved one another. We loved one another. We've never given each other a list of the hero things we gotta do. And that's the perfect example of what God wants to do for us. Look, just love me. That's why Jesus talked about love. You wanted to see how Jesus looked at love. Read John, the book of John, the gospel of John. Read that. It's got love all over it. Yeah, Jesus talked about love a lot. So this righteousness by faith, it was defined by Moses, which is a law. Then it was defined by Paul. And he even used Moses, uh, this part in Deuteronomy chapter 20, and then defined by Paul, but it is offered to all who call upon his name. We see this in verse 11 through 13. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In just a matter of a few verses, there are three verses that are part of the Roman road right there. The Roman road is kind of like uh, scripture in Romans, a little bit in Ephesians. And, and you're able to um, just walk through what salvation is. And so... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone, yes, Jew, Gentile, American, non-American, Republican, Democrat, yep, conservative, liberal, libertarian, yeah, libertarians, hang in there. And so what, what you are, what, it doesn't matter where your background is. Protesters, rioters, yeah. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. I truly believe some of the people that are caught up in just some bad stuff, okay? 
If you watch even some of the things, I mean, some of the things that's going on in the streets and, and how they're treating certain people like police officers and what they're saying and everything, I, I, I mean, if I had to respond to that, I'd be in jail. <laughs> but thankful we have men and women who want to help have law and order. But just know this, every person that is doing those things Even those people, if they call upon the name of Jesus, they will be saved. And that is really the goal. That is what God desires. That's what we desire as well. So how can they call upon the name of the Lord? It's accomplished through preaching. Sharing your testimony, not just preaching, but just sharing of your testimony. We see this in 14 through 17. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Okay, so think about, think about some of those people you see on TV, okay? You may have some people in your life. You're like, man, they're evil, man. It's amazing how they talk and their potty mouth and, and what they're doing on, on the weekends. But how can they who call on the one um, they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That makes sense, okay? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So what Paul is saying is this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone, but everyone has to hear it. And how can they hear it if people don't tell them about it? And how can people not tell them about it if they don't build relationships and go, okay? Go on the mission field. Every one of you are on a mission field. If you truly have followed Jesus Christ, you have Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you are on a mission field. You are. God has placed uh, people who are lost and going to hell in your life. He has. And so... You have the ability, you have the power to be able to share your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, Frank, I'm not trained. Okay. You, I, I can understand that you want to be trained, but let me tell you something. And yes, the church, that is part of our job, and get, you know, small groups, and, and we've gone through some, some uh, things like this before. We do have a plan in January to uh, actually go through the whole church in, in a, 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 a simple program that will allow you to be able to uh, be trained to share your faith. But listen, can I tell you something? You don't have to be trained. You have a story. You have a story. And Jesus showed us in, in the Gospels. He just shared stories, parables. He just shared the gospel through that. You have a story, a real life story. And so you could start sharing what Christ has done in your life. 
because Jesus has made a difference in your life and others need to hear that. And I know right now, we're very divided right now as a culture. We're very divided. People say we're divided by, uh, by political parties. I don't think we are. Say, Frank, have you been? Yeah, I, I know what it looks like. People say, well, I, we're divided racially. Nope, I don't, think, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, we are divided spiritually. We are. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not sitting here to say that, you know, one party is more, uh, more spiritual, uh, you know, than the, uh, than the other and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I, this past week, I didn't vote for a person. I've, I voted for a, a platform that closely uh, more aligns itself with God's word. I did. And so uh, I, I have uh, looked at to what this platform is doing Okay, what this platform is, um, is doing to protect the unborn, to not follow in the demands of our culture, of sin in our culture, and what they're trying to push down our throat with the LGBTQ community. Absolutely. Say, well, you, are you going to preach against that? Um, it's in here. I don't preach against the people. I preach against the sin. And... and um, and so when, when we look at how we are divided as a country, we can look at that and say, man, this is spiritual. This is spiritual. And so I know it's difficult to share your faith because everything seems to go political. <laughs> everything seems to go political. The conversations. Try not to let it go there. Stay with the Bible. Okay, don't make it about big government taxes and I was I mean, that's man stuff. Just keep it God's conversation in the Bible. Just focus on that. Trust me, if we just focus on what's in the Bible with how we vote, there's, there's a lots of things to talk about <laughs> and to be able to say and be saying, look, I'm not, here to, I'm not here to debate you. I'm just here to simply say, these things are in God's word this is God's opinion, and because I follow God, because I love Jesus Christ, then I stand by this right here. I blame God's word right here. How can you be so mean? How can you be so mean to, to be against certain people? It's not the people. It's a sin that is clearly written right here. We are divided Yes, and I've had conversations. I've had conversations with pastors who, they don't think abortion is wrong. And I'm like, mm, mm, mm. Look, um, I just, I, I, I pray for them, and I just have to tell them, look, um, you, you, if you're a pastor, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, which the Holy Spirit wrote this book. And so that same Holy Spirit is gonna be unified with the word of God. And guess what? That same Holy Spirit is gonna be the same Holy Spirit that is unified with my spirit. And if it's not unified with the word or my spirit, that the Holy Spirit that's inside of me, then there's some, there's some work you've got to do in your life. 
I'm sorry to tell you this. I think we're coming on a day where pastors have to have tough conversations with other pastors. God's been, God's been talking to me recently about this. He's been preparing me. He's been putting people in my life and, and, and just saying to my spirit, Frank, you need to prepare yourself because there's gonna be conversations you're gonna have with other pastors and I need you to call other pastors out. Now, I'm not saying I live a perfect life, but I'm talking about the, 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 the big issues, this liberal Christianity that is out there, which I don't know how you can have a liberal Christianity in the same sentence and mean the same thing. But this liberal Christianity that's, that's out, out there and this humanistic approach that some, even some pastors are doing, it, it, it's something that we have got to say no. It's like, well, well, Frank, the church should not get involved in, in political things. You've never seen a, uh, a, a, a certain political sign in front of our, our gathering. You've never seen this in our bulletin or in the chairs. You've never even heard me say you should vote for X person. Never. And you won't. Because, first of all, I don't vote for a person. But you'll never hear me say that. And you haven't. So our Lake Point Church is not about go, you know, supporting just a, you know, a, a person. Okay, we don't, we don't gather around that. You say, well, well, if you're having conversations with people and other pastors and tell them to get their right, aren't those political conversations? And that is where the enemy has come into our culture. And he has confused us and said, oh, this really is a political issue. Abortion, it's a political issue. You shouldn't touch that. LGBTQ, that's a political, that's a political issue. That, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't really touch that. You shouldn't really get involved in that because that's political and the church really shouldn't you know, be involved in that. That is a lie from hell. Because those are spiritual issues and we will stand against those things that are ungodly. And no, they are not political. They are not political. Oh, the world has made them political and and the devil is so sly and so cunning and so sneaky. He has done that. And so, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to talk about spiritual issues. Rise up, be bold, don't get caught up in all the other stuff, the other junk. Keep it with the Bible. Keep it with the Bible. That's it. That's simple. As this chapter closes, Paul talks about Israel's missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. Romans 10, 18 through 21. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, the words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand this? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. 
And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. So the big question is, why didn't Israel understand that she had no corner on the message? This is, this is for us. This, this whole relationship with God, this is for us. Gentiles, no way, no way. This is for us. They didn't have the corner of the message. They didn't have the corner market on this. Moses had it right when he predicted, when you see God reach out to those you consider outsiders, you'll become insanely jealous. When you see God reach out to people you think are religiously stupid, <laughs> you'll throw temp temper tantrums. We see in our churches we even see this in our churches. We think this life of salvation is just for us. Trust me, I've been tempted to say, all right, you go on. Have your, have your, your, your life. I'm saved. I'm, I'm going to heaven. I'm good. My family, we're good. Our church, Lake Point Church, we're good. Just go do whatever. Would Jesus do that? Did Jesus do that? No. We should not do the same. We should not do the same. We don't wanna have a missed opportunity as Lake Point Church, as the church. But let me give you some hope. Now we're gonna, we're gonna kind of mosey into chapter 11 just for a few verses and then we'll, we'll close out. But as we go into chapter 11, verse one through six, let me just read this and I've got some words of hope for you. I asked him, did God reject his his people, by no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. Gets us Paul talking again. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know that scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and tore down your altars. I am the only one left and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? Here's his answer to Elijah. I have reserved for myself, one for Elijah, who's for God, myself, 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Let me just give you some, some hope here. There are many standing with you. Just like the story of Elijah. And, and Paul is saying, look, there's a remnant of Israelites, of, Jew, of Jews. They're, they're going to come to Christ. I, know, I personally know like real Jewish people who have now come to Christ. They still have family back, back in Israel. They live in Jerusalem. I mean, these are legit, right? And so, um, and, and I love that. And they're part of that remnant. And just like God told Elijah, look, God, it's, it's really, really bad. They've killed uh, your, your, your prophets. They killed 400 prophets, and, and they're after me, and, and it's really, really, really bad. And this is, after, this is after God showed his power in an episode that Elijah had, the altar. And so God said, look, I've reserved for myself 7,000. I know 7,000 may not seem like a lot, Hey, 
It only took two, it only took two people to start procreating this world. I think God's got this. My encouragement to you, if you feel deflated this morning, know this, that there are a lot of people who stand for this passage. I'm not talking political. I'm not talking about who's voted, who hasn't voted, which party. I'm not talking about that, okay? There are people who stand for God's word, the full, complete word of God, and they stand on it and they live their life by it, and you will join them in heaven if you do the same, if you live for him. And I just want to encourage you because I know, I know it could feel like, man, I feel like I'm all alone or, or my, my small group of people that just, I just feel so alone. I've been, I've been um, kind of observing a little bit of what other churches are kind of going through today and kind of hearing people and stuff. Um, a little bit down here today in numbers. Uh, that's everywhere. I'm not saying every single church because I've not checked every single church, but what I'm, what I'm hearing, and that's because people just feel like, is there anybody there? You may be watching online. It's like, I'm just, I just, I just want to say I'm a little bubble and just, just, I feel like all alone. Listen, you are not alone. <laughs> there are people here that are, are walking with you praying with you. We're doing this together. And so I just want to encourage you when you feel like you're all alone, just know this. You are not alone. And just know this. That there is a God who loves you and longs to be with you. And as we, uh, as we read earlier, in Romans 10, 9 and 10. This is the gospel right here, and I will close with this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, just say, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You are saved. And if you have never done that, whether you're watching online or you're sitting here right now, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Just, first of all, just make sure you're right with the Lord. Make sure you're right with the Lord. And second of all, if, if, if you aren't right with the Lord, if you've never done that, you could do that here, right here, right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, even watching online. If you are just, just give me another minute, and we'll be done. Um, Jesus loves you. He, want, he has great plans for you. He doesn't want you to fix yourself. That's not the gospel. That's the old way. The new way in the New Testament is just to fall in love with Jesus. You want to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. I believe you came. I believe you died for me. You took my sins, and I believe that you 
were buried and God raised you from the dead. And I believe you can give me new life. I believe that. That is called faith. You can't see it. You can read it. You can't see it, but you can feel it. You know that you know, and you know that you should step across that line of faith and say, I believe in you. And as you believe and as you have that relationship, you're walking with him, life begins to change from the inside out, not from the outside in. So if you're sitting here today, never done that, simply say, Lord Jesus, I confess you are Lord. Please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I believe you died for me, and I believe you rose from the dead. Give me new life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear about it. You can send an email to pastor at lakepointonline.com, and you can tell me if you're here. Um, just, I want to just encourage you, as you walk throughout the next few days and the next few weeks, and as you're kind of looking at things, you, you might need to take a break from some of that <laughs> and, and just, you know, get into this, get into time with God. Uh, I definitely want to encourage you to get in time with the Word, get in time with prayer, just talk to God, listen to God, let the Holy Spirit minister to you before you start writing posts or talking to people or getting into debates. Because what, let me tell you something, if the Spirit of God, if you're not filled with the Spirit, you have the Spirit of God if you're saved, but if God hasn't like, mm, let me give you a little bit more of this overflowing. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and you try to have some of those conversations, the enemy's gonna eat your lunch. Absolutely. So maybe take a little bit of a break, focus on the Lord's Word, focus on the time of prayer, and allow God to minister to you. Because guess what? God's in control. God's got this. And like you, most of you, I've already voted for who's king of my heart. I did that in 1976. Six years old. Came to the altar crying like a baby because I knew I was a sinner and I needed a savior. So, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who's in the White House. Doesn't matter. Because I know who's in the big house. And that's Jesus. Love you guys. You want to come back next week. Thank you.